Hi guys, James Wilson-Taylor here for Rock Sound and welcome to the latest edition of the Rock Sound podcast where you can catch up on our latest interviews. Today's guests are Biffy Clyro. Their brand new documentary, Cultural Sons of Scotland, is available on Amazon from February 25th. And I sat down with Simon, Ben and James in the flesh to talk through the making of this documentary which actually follows them as they create their last album, The Myth of the Happily Ever After, which was the first record they have ever made in their native Scotland. You get to explore their whole HQ area. It's set on a farm out in Ayrshire. Really, really beautiful spot. And we reflect a little bit on their last 20 years as a band. It's, of course, the upcoming anniversary of their debut, Black and Sky. We also look back on huge moments for the band, like when Puzzle was released and those kind of moments just before those huge, huge successes kicked in for them. Plus a little bit about their big live plans they've got coming up and even a little bit from Simon about his recent appearance on Frank Turner's number one album, FTHC. Lots of great stuff to get involved in. And you can read this interview as well over on the website rocksound.tv and check out the trailer for the brand new film. Right, let's get on with it then, shall we? Here they are talking all things cultural sons of Scotland. It's Biffy Clyro. to then um had a very enjoyable evening last night at this screening really really enjoyed the film guys um i want to start i guess with you know i was joking with simon at the end a little bit it's just funny to think first time i saw you boys was in you know tiny little dingy rooms and now suddenly we're on leather seats i was getting served steak tartare <laughs> there was some bubbles going around it's got to feel like a real moment it's, it's a sign of how far you've grown and come as a band right to do something as, as special as that right now yeah i think you know it's something we would probably wouldn't have considered if the pandemic hadn't happened and you know, we're not a band that necessarily reflects or takes stock a lot. We're always moving forward. And and it just felt like, I guess it just was the right time to kind of, you know, originally it was just a making of the new album and we thought it, it wouldn't have been right to miss the connection to our early years as a band, as you say, probably in the years where you potentially saw us. Yeah. Where, you know, not a lot of people saw us back then. James, <laughs> I think you're probably half of our crowd at that point. It was an enthusiastic but small audience. Yeah, it was yeah. a lovely time. We always said that if we can get just one, <laughs> one person. But, you know, it, it genuinely was like a, like a strange experience with, with our new kind of outlook and perspective as a band. And we've been doing it for 20 years. And to be so close to those moments and those times as friends and a young band where we knew nothing and and to kind of go back to those little locations knowing what we do now it was a real you know it's it's pride's a sin but you know it, it made us feel proud you know yeah. and it's not something as I say we would have done if it wasn't for the kind of era that we're in at the moment and um but you know what I'm glad we did and watching it last night was actually the first time I've kind of enjoyed watching it I don't know okay. about yeah. the boys but just seeing it kind of then out of context because we've been watching edits at home and things and you're just like you're unsure it's like people are speaking into our little private world you know have we mm. have we shown too much you know and actually seeing it last night it was like no you know what i'm really pleased we did this you know it's hopefully encourages people to maybe want to be in my band again as well yeah. you know and um yeah, but. it's clever. I managed to track the whole journey, and it must have been, I guess, for all you guys. I mean, there was a moment where you got very emotional in the in the yeah. film and everything as well. Understandably so. And it was it was even more emotional watching it last night in a room mm. full of people. I, I, I wasn't really banking on that for some reason. Suddenly, it was like, oh my goodness! And um, we really care about what we do. You know, we care about the band and always have. And I do believe in karma. I believe that you make your own good luck. And I just felt really lucky i feel really lucky where we've got to as a band and it was so nice to kind of reflect on that last night and 
feeling emotional now thinking bless I'm always just a millimetre away from crying <laughs> oh, but it, you know I feel really we feel lucky after mm. 20 years to be doing this but like I say we've worked for our luck so it's not like it's just come along for nothing you know we have worked hard for this but we um, feel lucky to be in this position you know yeah, absolutely. You know, it's such a nice moment to be able to do something like this and kind of look back and celebrate. And, uh, you know, I want to mention the title kind of towards the stop, Cultural Sons of Scotland. Great title. I know I'm very biased, but great. great <laughs> um, obviously from a lyric, but it does, it does. I mean, I've, I wrote down this quote. I'm going to absolutely, you know, not get it completely right here, Simon. But you said something to the effect of you're comfortable being so vulnerable, but you don't think you would be if you didn't come from that part of the world. Is that, mm. So that's roughly what you're saying, right? What, what kind of did you mean by that? Expand on that a little bit. I think me. there's a... So as you know yourself, I mean, Scottish people have quite a unique perspective, you know, we're, we can be tough on the sur surface and everything and, and people can be like dismissive in a nice way, like, oh, you're still in your band, still doing your thing. But we've all got a bit of romance in our in our hearts, you know, it's, it's the classic kind of drunk poet, you know, kind of thing. It's like an Irish thing as well, obviously, but it's very much Scottish, you know, in our part of the world where Robert Burns, you know, spent a lot of his, his life and... So, so there's there's this kind of romantic and this poetry kind of coursing through that part of the world and and I think what I've noticed is even like the landscape of that part of the world kind of is is poetic and mysterious and romantic and it feeds into into my my songs and things and you know the security of being of of where you kind of grew up there's there's something about that I, I I want I reacted against that for years you know I was when I was as most people in your teenage years it's like I can't wait to get the fuck out of here what I need to see other things this is oppressive and, and I think that's healthy for young people to feel that but see to come back having seen been lucky enough to see a lot of the world it really is it's in us you know and, and it's how we react to compliments it's how we react to challenges it's how how I react to things in my life that then pour out through the music you know I do feel like that's you know you grow up going to Kayleys and things in our part of the world there's just music and poetry and things in your life with even if you're actively trying to avoid it so there's just there's just something the security for me being at home is feeling like no one expects anything I think that's also part of it you know people from our part of the world they're pleased if you do well but th that's not why they'll celebrate you you know it could be for other reasons and I think I think that's why I feel so secure because I feel like even anyone that cares about what we do in, in our part of the world it's because it's they either like us and go oh, I was a it's a great song, that, you know. <laughs> you should write another one like that. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, the, the, there's an appreciation of the, the actual effort and the heart and the soul into it. So so I think that's, you know, I hope I've kind of tried to kind of explain yeah, why yeah. it's so important. It's, it is tough to kind of be really specific and put into words but why something makes you the way you are, you know, mm. because you, cause you're the subject of it kind of thing. But I mean, do you feel that, do you, f you know, you spend a lot, I know you still live up the road, spend a lot of time down here. Do, mm. you, do you feel your Scottish identity still, I mean, or more yeah, because I, you're down here? Yeah, I, th I think actually maybe that's it, being away from it for so long, you certainly feel a lot more, you wear it as a badge of honour, a badge of pride a little bit. Yeah. But I think you're right in terms of like, I mean, I was like, because I grew up in Edinburgh, so it is a major city, but there's still not a, as massive a music scene as obviously somewhere down like here or whatever. And you, it does mean that when you go to gigs, it kind of becomes a little bit more special, especially gigs in the type of genre of music that we write about and you guys yes. make that isn't quite as as forthright and as out, out, out there as, as it would be down here or even in somewhere like Manchester, you know? Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And Edinburgh is based for such a culturally yeah. rich city. You know, mu music is just one of the cultures in Very Edinburgh, true, yeah. which is, you know, and it's such a cosmopolitan city i mean mm. edinburgh feels 
I have to say it's the one site in Scotland that feels sort of truly international yeah, place, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and that's really positive, but maybe in some way it's it's meant the music mm. takes a back seat. You know, there's probably just something a bit grey and grimier about the West Coast as well. Everything's yeah. just a little more, I, I don't know. I always thought, I thought Edinburgh's been like the kind of slightly more sensible grown-up brother. And, uh, yeah, Glasgow's, the, Glasgow's like the rogue that you'd like to go out for a fight with. That's, that's fair. That's <laughs> incredibly <laughs> fair. Oh, man. It really is. But no, that's that's why it was so lovely seeing in this film, seeing you guys go back to your roots here and everything and work on this album in a completely new way. Um, the farm is obviously at the focus point of this. Let's get into that because I... Tell me how you found this place, first of all. Let's go right back. When did you first find this place to base and think, oh, this could work as a kind of <laughs> biffy to, HQ? We started off in the mum and dad's garage which right. you saw in the movie yep. then we went to the YMCA which was dicey yeah, <laughs> it was challenging it was a really small room and we had a good <laughs> 10 years there but we, we kind of outgrew it and then we are just looking for a new place and fairly unromantic we had a friend that was a estate agent and took us to it was the first place we looked at and we just walked in and went this is perfect right. I think just he enjoyed looking at it sorry to, sorry mm -hmm. to interrupt there oh. I think is when a, a guy that James went to college with, and I think he was quite excited. Yeah. Looking, well, I'm looking for a place for a, well, for you, a band to rehearse, you know. So, <laughs> so he really went above and he's beyond. He's usually finding premises for a fishmonger or something. Right, like that. sure. So he was suddenly he was quite not that there's anything not exciting about fishmonger. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. I know, you know you're talking I know, about. I know. But it, my it, wife's one of the Italian fish mother family. So <laughs> oh, here I mean, we go. You don't want to swim <laughs> with it. I'm going to get fucking lynched here, man. Oh. Um, but it's it, it it was very rudimentary for years. It was dusty. It was it served its purpose. And like Simon said, we never had time to change it. It was like we were in there for a few weeks, rehearse, and then we were on the road. You know, we never we never had time to really look at it. But we've we've made improvements over the last couple of years and. Mm. It's just somewhere we feel at home. You know, yeah. no one can touch us. I know somebody after the movie last night was like, do you think you're going to get a lot of people coming around chapping the door? And I'm like, no, definitely not locals. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like, it's just the boys doing their thing. You possibly could get really keen people coming from out of town, but they get lost. They'll never find it. They'll never find <laughs> it. Never <laughs> fucking find it. It's really quite deep Ayrshire. Yeah. I, I think, though, it, James touches on it in the movie that being there because things are going on all time as well yeah. it does give you this like we should be doing something vibe you know and right. I do think that's important you know if we maybe had an isolated practice room or that you know you suddenly you become a bit lazier than you would be or like if you don't achieve much you're like ah well mm -hmm. you, you know but because you you know there's people out there sweating in the fucking pissing rain and yeah. all that or you know there's there's a couple of wee businesses in the, in the farm and it really kind of makes us go right. Well, we we need to work, you know. Mm. And 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 don't get me wrong, we love our work, but it, it is that motivation. And I think that actually has fed into us as well. You know, yeah. that wasn't the, the reason that we found the place in originally. It was mm. just having a bigger space That's and right. that we could afford basically in a, in mm. a non-romantic way. But since then, it's like you know, it, we quite like seeing the guys. You know, be like. How's your jet washing going, pal? <laughs> anyway, you know, they were like, great, how's your gigs going? And one day I was like, oh, you know, <laughs> during the pandemic, I was like, oh, I mean, you know what it's like, you know, you, you get up on the stage and the guy's going, no, I, I don't. <laughs> He's like, I, I jet wash. I was like, what are you fucking doing? You know, we had lost my mind. I was like, you know what it's like when you're in tour and all that? He's like, what the fuck? So again, Amazing. those little moments are nice because it just stops you becoming too enthralled in your own shit. You know, because yeah. I think yeah. any time you, you're you're just too immersed in your own world and your own problems 
if you don't lift your head up, then it can just, especially in a band, because mm -hmm. your egos grow, suddenly sure. you're the most important thing that ever happened. Mm -hmm. And if you don't pop that bubble, then, well, you probably wouldn't grounds be doing you. It. Grounds it does, you a little bit as a place. Yeah, I think um, when, when you're turning up at like, 1.30 and you're kind of bleary-eyed and, and there's a farm that's been up since 4 a.m. hard <laughs> yeah. graph, it definitely snaps things into perspective for you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just such a lovely atmosphere as well. I mean, I mean, we need to talk about your cooking, Ben. I mean, that's the most important aspect of the entire film. He's lovely. available for all. Uh... Oh, lovely bit of salmon on that plate. I saw it. It looked wonderful. But like that aspect, it really does play into it. You know, you're cooking and eating meals together. You're properly living together. And this is not the way you guys normally make an album. You know, that experience, it seems to have been really, really positive for you guys do you feel like that's something you may now repeat with whatever's coming next yeah it's funny we were just kind of talking about this a minute ago and, and yeah it would be nice to repeat it the tough thing is it would, be, it would be hard it was such a we'd all been stuck at home for so long yeah. we were all like accepting daily challenges and hurdles to kind of overcome to try and make some music and i i, I don't even know we could, if we could actually recreate that time in our lives mm. you know it doesn't mean to say that we're that we wouldn't record in Scotland again or, or work this way, but but it does risk diluting it a little. Partly because no one else could really come and see us because it was secret. We were just being around our friends and make doing something with purpose yeah. just filled us with joy. So not something where we would like to do it again, but I don't know if it would be physically possible to do this to do the same thing because you know what, nothing else mattered. The world was in such a shit fight at that moment that everything felt like a victory you know even being together felt like a victory getting a song together you know even doing the shopping you know that way like you know when it was like one in one out in the supermarkets and all that oh, shit wow. so so there was there was lots of things that kind of coalesced to make it this perfectly kind of romantic and, and made us like it forced us into being a gang again you know yeah, like literally yeah, yeah. we could only rely on each other we will you know we, yeah sorry i'm now i'm now just spouting shit it may, it may be foolish to, in a way to try and repeat it mm. you know like yeah we can record in scotland we can make a record but we'll probably have meetings two months out to uh, talk about it yeah. and at this time there was none of that there was no meetings about meetings about it was just the doing which yeah. was fantastic you know and mm -hmm. maybe if we could try and convince the record company that that's the way to do it just let tell you what so even we're done we'll let you know but yeah. we know that's not quite the I know. that's not it, quite the reality. I think in a normal well, a normal situation in record, but it's normally like a year or two of songs being written and us working on them and there's a bit more pressure to to realise those visions and those mm. goals for the song. Mm. Whereas this was kind of very organic. Things were changing day to day mm. and, 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 and that I don't know if we would ever if we wouldn't normally go into an album session so kind of free of stress or like or right. what's my not trying to fulfill a goal mm -hmm. you know normally as a creative goal it's like this song needs to end up here how do we get here whereas this time it was that we didn't know the destination of the songs and everything and and that again was an unusual thing i don't think we've ever made a record with that yeah. outlook you know like wow this let's make this song fucking longer or let's do you know that kind of thing you know? yeah I mean it's interesting that how, how the record eventually turned out which you know I really enjoyed obviously I've said that to you guys before but something we have talked about before is the way you've spoken on trilogies and eras and kind of feeling like it moves in groups of three we're past the ninth record ten if we count balance obviously mm -hmm. but like do you do you still feel it worked in that way because obviously these these two records are kind of paired more than any other that you've done yeah you actually because when I look back, like Ellipsis was going to be the start of our, our third trilogy. I feel like Ellipsis was almost our hinge record. You know, like mm. it's like, a, a, like it, it is the Ellipsis, the dot, dot, dot in the middle of our kind of discography. So to me, 
I almost see balance, celebration, and myth as as the trio, right. as the, you know the the um, what's it? trilogy. trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> my God, my mind's <laughs> let me down today. Um, but so I actually see that as there's like a there's a real adventurous adventurous streak to those that the the genre kind of constraints mm -hmm. we really threw off in those three records. I feel that because the myth was very much a pandemic record. I think the next one will be the start of a new trilogy. I think that's that's kind of how my brain works. I feel that we, um, I don't have any new songs ready yet. I feel like I'm a different man than even I was a year and a half ago. I think we all are. So, so this very much feels like this is the start of another little era, you know. And and I don't feel I'm going to wait until I feel inspired. You know, I, I, um, I was very much inspired by the the shit we were going through and, and being able to put that energy and everything in, into the music the, in the album I think we all really felt that was a, a saving grace Absolutely. but but you know what it's like it's important that the next thing we do feels inspired in a different way you know I don't I don't want to be thinking about it and contemplating the same things I did in celebration and myth you know I know balance was for it was a for a movie but um but you know musically they, they sit together but no i need a, i need a different outlook i need to feel like i'm in a different headspace to kind of start working the next on the next chapter yeah fair enough no it'll be interesting to see what does come next but while we're still in a reflective mood i do want to look a little bit back here uh i mean anniversaries are what they are but we're going to keep hitting them now boys aren't we this is gonna they're gonna keep on coming it's happening yeah we all feel old it's fine um, <laughs> it's, it's terrifying isn't it Jesus. so I want I want to mention puzzle because that's going to be 15 this year, which is Holy you know another shit. big big anniversary there. Obviously, such an important moment. So a couple of things on that. Firstly, I want to go back to again those kind of early gigs. I remember seeing you boys play. It was like just after Infinity Land, and before we knew puzzle was a thing. And you were kind of debut. I think like Semi Mental was in the set list. I think yeah, like, maybe who's got a match? Or like, that was Liquid Room when I saw you Liquid on that Dream, one. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but that kind of era. Take me back to that moment a little bit because that's got to be such an interesting time. You know, you must, you, no one can predict what that album was going to do, but you guys must have known you were you were pushing for something a little bit bigger, right, for that next one. Yeah, you know, it was the first time, again, this sounds kind of unromantic, but it was the first time we'd worked with, with an A&R man who, who like cared about our music. You know, we were lucky that our A&R man, Alex Gilbert, was such a big fan of the band. He came to see us on tours in the first three albums. So see, to work with someone who actually had like a budget and stuff and believed yeah. in what we were doing and, and to and it was the first time in our career and in, in my life that someone was like you're a great songwriter like you're a great band you know you know that you can ki you can do whatever you want and and as a continuation of what we're talking about how Scotland's important to us you know we didn't grow up with that outlook you know to us success was was making an album and getting to go and tour because none of our friends had done that and it was like wow we're we're going to the other end of the country to yeah. play some music to some kids that care about it and so it was the first time where I kind of zoomed out almost my view and thought you know what we can do anything the the, the songs in that album as I talked about were, were, were about my mum passing away so it was the first time where I really felt a responsibility to to not just make music that I thought was was fun and made it you know tickled us but I wanted to make something important I, w I wanted to make sure that the album musically felt like a you know almost like a classic record you know and, and that's that's fucking wide to say that about when you were making an album but you got it you got to aim for that and no, and i wanted to make something that was just that that mattered in the same way that the, that what i was singing about mattered mm -hmm. and i think that altered my perspective so i think that's why the songs became slightly more um 
I don't know if innocence the word, but you know, slight. I mean, mature is a terrible word to use. <laughs> that I wanted to let the lyrics breathe a little more. And the right. first three albums, it was all about the ideas, the musical ideas. And that album, it was about suddenly the lyrics became important. And I didn't want to clutter it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but there was also the first album we recorded in in North America. We recorded yeah. in Canada. We were working with Garth Richardson, who had made Rage Against the Machine and Curb Dog, which were two of our like pivotal records yeah. as a band. So there was a, there was all these reasons to kind of feel like we're making a big fucking important record here, you know, and and yeah. and we needed that because it's not our default setting is to kind of like aim for the stars, and 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 that was the first time where I felt that we did aim for the stars, and and hopefully it comes across in the record. Oh, it absolutely does, and I wonder as well, like you know, because that record did what it did, and that you know it kind of really set you on this new trajectory as a band. What were the kind of pinch me moments around then? Like, were there any moments where you go, bloody hell, this is actually. This is going uh, very well. Yeah. This is this is going up again. What's going on? Biffy Clyro. I know we were surprised as fucking anyone. I'll tell you that. I remember being in Andy Wallace's studio in in New York, and we're working with fucking Andy Wallace, who we'd all lapped up his records for years, and then we're on the phone down an ISDN line to the string players, who I think were in LA, and Simon's kind of like, "You're not fucking doing it right." I mean, not quite, but he's guiding these string players who are doing the parts for a living and we're in New York listening to it I remember at that time just being like this is fucking crazy this is really this I can't believe this has happened yeah. and then to hear them play and to hear them sing it was like fucking we'd done some really rudimental demos at that point but to hear actually this music that Simon had imagined coming back at us at that point just down the phone line that was pretty special yeah, probably, and that was yeah, pretty incredible I remember that just being like, holy shit you know I, th- I think when we Playing shows like the shows in those t- in that tour, the puzzle tour, they just seem to keep getting more exciting, and, and and I don't mean just the shows getting bigger. I mean the actual excitement from us and from the fans just grew and grew and grew, and and and, and puzzle I think was when we got the chance we played with the like Chili Peppers, the Who, Rolling yeah, Stones. It was wow. the first time where we felt that we even stepped on a, an actual proper big stage. Yeah. It's the first time where we started to consider the audience yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which you know it's true but you know we play when you play club it's kind of like it's more of a voyeuristic thing i think <laughs> when you're playing a smaller club it's like the audience is kind of watching the band do something or the act do something whereas in the big show you're performing it's yeah, like sure. a bit more theatrical and i, I think that kind of came through and but the one moment I, is i remember just playing the john peel stage i think it was oh, was it glastonbury right. And I just remember the tent being absolutely rammed. It was at Glastonbury, which isn't necessarily our home turf, you know, that we grew up with, obviously, in Maitland Heart and heavy music. So to be there and to see that amount of people there and, and also to be singing along to songs like Living is a Fucking Problem, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Is, and I think we maybe opened with Bodies in Flight that night, you know, and it's, and it's like, when I look back at that, I'm like, that's... It's only now I can contextualize that and think yeah. that was actually a that was a moment like a real changing changing moment. But I remember that show and being like fucking hell, like this That's only right. real bands do this shit. Um, a couple of quick things before I let you go. Let's let's talk live plans. I know there's some dates in the calendar and stuff and all that kind of thing. Um, I know originally the arena spectacular was gonna was gonna come at some point very understandably everything's getting pushed back and all that kind of stuff is that something you guys still want to consider for for this era or do we feel like we're maybe moving on to onto the next thing um sorry i think with the, the arena t- it's like 
it feels weird to me that the, the tour was originally sh originally scheduled for celebration of endings and that was two that would be two years ago so realistically we had to cancel uk shows as soon as this year started if we can do them later in the year we might but then that's two years over two years since celebration it's over a year or it'll just be about a year since the myth we feel lucky that we played some really great shows in the uk you know we did a great hometown show and we've done red and leads we're doing downloads so you know what I, part of me is like i don't want to just play shows for the sake of it that's fair you yeah. know and 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 i feel that we will have put on the shows we want to with the with the shows we have lined up like download it will be spectacular you know and and we really loved red and leads in glasgow and we did our fingers crossed tour. so i feel that maybe the universe is just telling us something to wait a little longer also, I want to go and see some fucking shows. Yeah, yeah I, I want to see some bands myself later oh, in the year. So. Stacked summer, stacked summer. <laughs> need to get out there. But you know what I mean? It, it, no, for it's sure. Like, and you know, it's just I'm excited that, that touring and all that is happening. I feel like we need to feel that we're always looking forward. I feel like going out and tour later this year for necessarily an album that's two years old is not is not looking. For, it's not the Biffy way. You know, that's not to say we wouldn't play any shows, and, and mm. I'm sure if my manager, if our manager Paul heard that just <laughs> now, he'd be like, "What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> we were fucking we at all. I can sell, sell, sell." <laughs> that, uh, Paul isn't. It's Paul a dead, isn't dead on impression, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a dead on. It was like in the room. Poor Paul. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Whenever you do get touring, I do want to mention this. Actually, I hadn't realised uh, when I was watching the Brit Awards the other week that Dave's uh, flaming guitar was designed by your own man, your own yeah. guitar. Tech showed Rich, himself, the man. god godlike genius that is Richard. It's funny he was he was texting and keeping us up to date with yeah, all yeah, he was yeah. doing. It's spectacular, and all mm. I have to say to Chad is, why am I only hearing now <laughs> that this is fucking yeah. possible, man? Yeah. I was like, this is unbelievable that you can do this and you haven't fucking told me. So basically, if we go when we go into it again. I'm going to end up nicking that because yeah. the, the fire will have to come out of some other part of my body so that I'm not just... <laughs> I, I, I instantly saw a post when that came out and said, don't do it, Biffy. Do oh, it. no! Oh, come on! You got her. Too much for some. If it's too much for you, fucking stay home. Stay home. We'll do doubles, though. We can have doubles. That's it. We'll create a fiery, fiery saltire in the middle of the stage. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, you've said it now. It has to I happen. Don't quote it. I don't. It has to happen. It has to happen. <laughs> um, super quick, because I know you guys have got to go. Um, quick quote from you, Simon, if I can, because uh, your boy Frank Turner looks like maybe a number one album, Touchwood and all oh, that stuff. Yeah. Maybe a number one album this week. Um, great collab on that record. Tell me a little bit how, how that so one kind of came together. Well, we've known Frank for years. Mm. Somehow never worked together. And uh, he sent over the song The Resurrectionist, which is a beautiful song that kind of encapsulates all of our lives. And all, you know, it means Frank are born in a similar era. It really reflects kind of life being on the road, try not to grow up. And, and there's just a spirit to Frank's songs that there's a joyfulness, I think, that maybe I don't have in the songs I write. So it was really nice to kind of sing, sing on, on his record. I really hope to fuck it goes to number yeah, one. I'm surprised he's not had a number one. But, yeah. you know, it's, it excites me that people are getting into making rock albums go to number one. I think it's important. I think it, it, it shows that as much as people say, yeah, rock is this or that, it's like people care about acts and bands more in the rock world than, than they do. People care about maybe songs and this and that over here, but we care about the people behind the music. And so I think it, show, it says a lot about Frank that everyone's coming out to support him this week. And yeah, 
proud of it. I want to say proud of him. I guess we'll find out in 24 hours or something. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. Um, Either way, big achievement. But yeah, it's great record as well. And, and anyone, you know, like, he's this is his ninth record, yeah, I, think. I think. so, yeah. I fucking see people that mean it and do it as a, an actual vocation. I, I love that. So you have so much respect and love for Frank. I, I feel like I've just blown smoke all over his balls. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, yeah. So fingers crossed. It's an, honor to, it's an honor to be a part of it though. Yeah, yeah absolutely, man. No, no, really nice achievement. Final question for you boys and I'll let you go. Um, 20 years of Black and Sky. I've mentioned it before. Have plans been put in place? Are we going to acknowledge it? Are we going to mark it somehow this year? You know, I, I think we'll probably do something that acknowledges the first three albums. We, you okay. know, the, the pandemic kiboshed any plans we had. You know, we would we were hoping to have all the celebration tour out, out of the way and then we would have probably done something this Christmas as a 20 year. It doesn't feel quite right, but we will do something to acknowledge it. We're talking about a couple of exciting ideas, just something a bit more off the wall. But we would more likely celebrate the first three records. You know, I think that's what we would do. Maybe do a few nights in, in either in different venues or something like that. But for the first time ever, I don't think I feel scared to acknowledge the fact that it is 20. I'm, I'm actually proud that that we have been going for 20 years and we actually haven't looked up and, and, we're, and we're allowed to look up now because of the fucking pandemic. It wasn't our choice to slow down and reflect. The world made us do it. And you know what? Why not be proud of of what we've done? And, and, and especially making the myth in, in Comores, making the documentary. It feels it is important to reflect on that because that's what we've just done a little bit of in the documentary and by recording an Ayrshire. It's like... So, so it feels of the moment. It feels harmonious with what we're doing, and then once we reflect, we can fucking move move forward again. Uh, Get rid of all mirrors, man. Get rid of all mirrors. <laughs> More fan of mirrors. <laughs> Reflecting and fucking moving forward. Um, congrats on the documentary, boys. Really enjoyed it. All the best to you. Thank See you, you soon. James. Thanks for your time again. <laughs> Thank you once again to Biffy Clyro. As we mentioned at the top, the new documentary, Cultural Sons of Scotland, is available exclusively on Amazon from February 25th. We'll be back again soon with a brand new episode, but make sure you go ahead and click subscribe to the Rock Sound Podcast. We are available on SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, really. So in the meantime, I've been James Wilson-Taylor, and thank you very much for listening. <laughs>